know, we can either have fear or we can have faith. And you got to put faith ahead of fear. Hey guys, welcome back to Floral Couch Conversations. I'm Emily. And I'm Alyssa. And, and I'm Scott. <laughs> yes. And today we are joined by um, one of my former teachers, actually, in middle school slash high school, Mr. Hansen. It's weird that teachers have first names, even though I should be over that by now. But... <laughs> And I feel like I actually crowdsourced some questions, for some of these questions by texting some of my former classmates. So it'll be, I think it'll be kind of fun for some of your old students to listen. <laughs> so I guess we can just jump right in. So you taught at my high school. I guess, how did you decide to go into teaching? Was that something you knew from like super, like even before college right away? Or how did you come to that career path? Yeah, so... I decided to become a teacher. My sister-in-law, uh, Jacqueline Hansen, married to my brother Steve, they, they're the ones that live in uh, Mendota Heights. She was a teacher. She became a principal. And I was in my first year of college, and I was going to go to college to be going to business. I was going to make tons of money. I was going to travel. I was going to do all these things. And then uh, that summer, after my first year of college, she asked me, she goes, she goes, well, what have you ever really done for a job? And I said, well, I coach Little League Baseball, you know, I, I worked with kids in summer programs, and that's what I did from when I was 15 all the way through college, and I was doing that that summer, my first year of college, too, and she goes, you should look into education, so then that next fall, I went back to school, and I took the intro to education class and fell in love with it, and never looked back, that's what I decided to do, and um, what was kind of funny about this whole story of going into education, so I graduated from South Dakota State University in Brookings in 1994, December of 94. And uh, I worked at a place called Cabana Banners. So we made banners for, for schools, right? Okay. So all the championship banners you see in the gyms and graphics for schools, I helped make those. And um, the, my boss at the time was Randy Nash, and he was the owner of the company. And it was a new company. And he offered me a job at $30,000 a year starting. This is in 1994. That's a lot of money in 94. Yeah. And a brand new, and a brand new Jeep Cherokee. And I would have had to put, you know, like the magnetic decals on the side of the car when I was working. And then after work, I could take them off and I'd have my own Jeep Cherokee. And I said, oh. no, I said, I, I don't want to do that. I said, I'm going to go be a teacher. So I signed my first teaching contract for $17,500 in 94 or 95, the spring of 95. And then I got a few extra dollars for coaching. So it was like right around $22,000 and no Jeep Cherokee. Um, <laughs> but I don't regret that decision. Don't regret that decision ever. And I was at that school for five years. It was a little town in South Dakota, about 800 people, Lake Preston, South Dakota. And my wife and I were there for five years. We had two children there. Um, we moved to Faribault, to Bethlehem Academy, where I taught you, Alyssa, mm -hmm. in 2000. So um, and what's kind of funny is uh, you asked about the cross. So I got the cross right here. Um, so when I decided to take a job in Minnesota, um, we, we kind of plotted. My wife and I plotted jobs that were open around the cities, kind of like a C around Minneapolis the letter C. And I got offered a job in Annadale, Minnesota, and at Bethlehem Academy the same, the same week. And I had to make my decision by Sunday. 
for both jobs. So I asked my my one of my teaching partners, uh, he was also the athletic director at our school, and we went golfing. And I said, let's go golfing, and we didn't take a golf cart. We went and walked, and we walked nine holes. And on the third hole, um, I picked my golf bag up, and I find this cross, and it was just like this. It was wrapped up just like this, and I unwrap it, just like I'm doing now, and on the back of the cross, it says, Christ is counting on you. And uh, so I look up in the sky. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's like an epiphany, right? And I said, I know which job I'm going to take. So we got done golfing, uh, went back home. I told my wife, I said, look what I found on the golf course. And then she gave me a big hug, and she says, she goes, I want to go to Bethlehem Academy, too. And then that's when we made the decision to move. So my son at the time was three. My daughter was one. And off to Faribault we go to Bethlehem Academy. And then I was there for 16 years. So I still have the cross. It still hangs in my bathroom. I have a little nail in my bathroom. And, I, I, and that's, it's kind of funny, but that's where I pray every day. I pray when I shower. I wash my hair. And I pray. And, uh, and then I always touch the cross uh, before I go to school. And uh, it, it's kind of like being baptized again, you know, like every day. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. I love that story. That was um, when I was crowd surfing for some questions. That was everyone's favorite story. <laughs> One of them. <laughs> yep. I still have it. And what's kind of funny, and, you know, what, you, know you talk about how, how the Holy Spirit lives through all of us. You know, I teach in a public school now. I taught in a, in a private Catholic school for 16 years. And the first student that I meet on my interview, his name was Emmanuel, Emmanuel Espinoza. And he comes up to me in the hallway and he goes, are you going to be our new principal? And I said, well, I said, I, I'm, I'm interviewing. And I said, I would hope to be a new principal. And I said, what's your name? And, and he says, Emmanuel. And, uh, and uh, God is with us, right? You know, that's what Emmanuel means. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because the uh, secretary that was giving me the tour of the school, I said, you know what Emmanuel means? And she goes, yep. She goes, God is with us. I said, exactly. So, so, uh, so it takes you everywhere. So yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. I love signs like that. Yeah. I, I always love hearing those stories from people about how they got their signs of, of where they decided to go. Cause it really, I mean, it really is. If you look out for the signs, they're there. You've got to pay attention to them. Mm -hmm. You've got to pay attention and be patient. You just got to be yeah. patient. While you were at BA, what all kinds of roles did you have? I feel like you went, th you taught a lot of different classes and you were a dean for a while and you did a lot of coaching. <laughs> yep. So when I was at BA, um, so, so there were two people that were really influential in my life when I first started there it was sister uh, Kathleen Tice. Um, and then Ron Tebow, who was the Dean of Students, uh, Sister Kathleen Tice, or Sister Kate, we called her, was the principal, and then Ron Tebow was the Dean of Students, and they interviewed me there, and just great people, just wonderful people, and uh, fell in love with them that first day, and then, um, so I was a social studies teacher, um, and I was a social studies teacher from 2000 to 2009, and then in 2009, I became the Dean of Students, so Ron Tebow was retiring, and um, so then as he was retiring, I kind of transitioned to his job as dean of students. And then I was a halftime social studies teacher. And then I've coached everything from football, baseball to, uh, to uh, girls basketball and uh, enjoyed every minute of it. I, I like to be busy. I don't you know this this COVID uh, time period that we're in, um, you know, it helps us all to reflect on the important things in life and, uh, and people's number one. So. And I less, I just enjoy helping people. 
I feel like that's one thing that's unique to smaller Catholic schools too, because I also went to a smaller Catholic high school. And I think when the teachers play different roles and their coaches and their deans and they're also teaching, you really get to know them a lot better and make those better, stronger connections. Absolutely. And the, you know, that's the biggest thing about education is you try to, you know, like I've always taught kids, like, just be yourself, you know, don't be a different person at home than you are at school or at your job, you know, just, just be who you are and be proud of who you are. And I've always tried to live my life like that. Um, you coach baseball. Did you, if, am I remembering correctly? Did you consider a career in baseball at one point? Yeah, yeah it's kind of a funny story. So when I was 17 years old, um, just out of high school, um, I went to, uh, tryouts. I went to a Minnesota Twins tryout, a Reds tryout, and a New York Mets tryout. And they were open tryouts. It wasn't that I got invited. Um, and I got called back to the Twins tryout, and I got called back to the Cincinnati Reds tryout. And I actually filled out paperwork for the Cincinnati Reds, and it never went any farther than that. But, uh, but it's one of those things where people are like, oh, why are you doing that? You'll never make it. And uh, I like it when people challenge me like that. It's like, like, I'm going to try my best, and if I make it, great. If I don't, at least I tried, and I can be proud of that. The thing about being a professional ball player, like, what people understand is, of all the 12-year-olds in the United States today, five kids, only five kids will grow up to have a career in Major League Baseball. And uh, so that's less than 1%, so your chances are pretty slim. I feel like to make it to a second round is impressive then, because that's got to be a small percentage, too. Yeah, it was like like probably 200, 250 kids, and then, and then you make it back to 40. So you go from 250 to 40. Okay. So, yeah. And then I think the Twins signed one person, and uh, the Reds didn't sign anybody. They just had people do paperwork. So, yeah, it, it's hard. <laughs> That's funny. So my mom is a elementary teacher um, in the Minnetonka district, and she taught um, – Bo Allen, who was on the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I don't think yeah. he's on that team anymore, but he was. And um, so she always says, like, there's a small chance, but there is a chance. Yeah. Like, I taught one. <laughs> you know, that's like, uh, you know, being in Faribault at BA, we, we co-opt in baseball with Shattuck St. Mary's. Mm -hmm. And um, so, like, Sidney Crosby, who plays in the NHL, he got to play baseball for us when he was 14 years old. Now, it's a cool story because when he was a young kid at 14, there was a lot of hype that he was going to be the next Wayne Gretzky and have all this success in the NHL. And he was good. And um, he played baseball with us as a, as a ninth grader, but he was very humble. And he was like, you know, that's hype. I, I'm not going to sign autographs or do those things until I make it. Then he did, and he's, you know, he's done very well in the NHL. And, um, and I got to see him in, I think it was 2015. His sister was graduating from Shattuck. And, uh, and him and his parents were sitting in the crowd at the outdoor graduation ceremony at Shattuck. And I walked by and I'm like, Hey, Sid. He's like, Hey, you know, coach Hanson, how are you? And we had a little conversation and gave each other a hug. And, uh, and I said, you're still that humble kid that I remember when you were 14. So it's pretty cool when people are, are like that, that, that have that ability and, and they can go out and do those things, but they're just genuinely great people. Yeah. I love that. I didn't know he played baseball with BA at any point. I just, yeah. And Alyssa, didn't you get an autograph from uh, Justin Morneau too? Yeah, so I was going <laughs> to ask you about that. I still have that. Um, are you, so are you related to Justin Morneau? Well, through marriage. So Justin's wife um, is a distant cousin of mine. So my parents, my parents went to uh, a reunion, a family reunion, and Justin and his wife were there. 
and my dad got to talk to Justin. So that's how we were able to get that autograph. Well, I still have it. I appreciate it. I've told the story on the podcast before about how my Haley Meyer and I waited in line for three hours to meet Justin Morneau. And I finally got up there and was so excited that I cried and it was embarrassing. So embarrassing. That's awesome. <laughs> but. That's cool. Oh, and it says here, what's your favorite position at BA? Um, in education, I'm not going to lie to you. I love being a teacher. Like, even as a principal, I still get in the classroom as much as I can. I mean, I, with our Zoom sessions with distance learning right now, I pop in out of classrooms, and I'm actually going to help one of our teachers, and I'm going to teach some of the sociology unit that she's going to be doing online, too. So I try to get in as many classrooms as I can, and, and that's what being an educator is, is being a good teacher and, and helping kids overcome obstacles. Yeah, I love that. So how did you decide to move on from BA after the cross led you there? You were there for 16 years. How did you decide next steps? was one of those things um we weren't looking to leave va there there was i was not looking for jobs it kind of opened up and um and uh a good friend of mine's a teacher just down the road here in Minneota, and he called me up and he said uh, hey there's a principal position open at lakeview in cottonwood minnesota so we my wife and i checked it out and um, um it's close to my parents uh my my dad is 80 Seven. My mom is 85. They both live in South Dakota. So we're about an hour and a half away from them. Before, we were about four hours away from them. And then my, my wife, uh, she's closer to her family. So we looked at the job, and then, uh, and then we you know, thought about it as a family. And my son, Colin, was graduating from VA at the time. My daughter, Kylie, was going into her junior year. And so we had, we had a lot of family discussions, a lot of family talks, and made the decision to move. It's not an easy decision, um, but uh, just something there that was leading us here. And, um, and uh, one of the things about Cottonwood and Lakeview Public Schools, they had a really bad bus crash um, in, two, I think it was 2007, and there were some students that died in a bus crash. And they, they had to endure some pretty tough times. And, and I'm a very positive person by nature. It's who I am uh, day in and day out. And, um, and you know, like in, when you think about the cross and following the cross, like, there's a reason we're here, and, and uh, it's a great community, a great place, and Wood Lake, Minnesota, and Cotton, Minnesota are great places. So here we are. Now that you say that, it makes sense. I feel like I remember hearing about the bus crash, but I don't think I put it together that that was the same school. Yeah, um, so it would have been uh, my daughter's class, Kylie graduated. Uh, that was the last class uh, where there was someone that would have graduated that year um, that died in the bus crash. So. Yeah. So, but like in all, all things, there are hard times and you have to learn to heal and this community's healed and but they'll never forget that. They'll be part of who they are. Right. So what has been the, the hardest part of your career so far? I would say the, the hardest part of being a teacher is every year when the seniors graduate. That's what, what it doesn't matter if I was in Lake Preston, Bethlehem Academy or here at Lakeview. Uh, when that senior class graduates, that's always a tough time because that's the last time that group of kids will all be together at the same time at one place at, at that moment. And that's always the hardest is when those kids graduate. I mean, you're happy for them, but you're also sad because, uh, because uh, they're never all going to be together again as a class. So that's probably the hardest part of being an educator is, is watching that senior class graduate. It's, it's exciting. It's fun. But uh, there's always a piece in your heart that uh, is is that you're going to miss them. Would you say you stay in touch with a lot of your former students? 
Yeah, you know, you know, Facebook, a lot of kids, uh, students, former students, uh, you know, from all three schools, um, I'm friends with on Facebook and stuff. So that's been a, a really nice thing and gone to weddings and, uh, and, you know, the birth of their first children and those kind of things are always exciting. But uh, um, I wish I could keep in touch with every single former student I ever had. And, uh, and uh, but I try to as much as I can. And it's really through social media. I think that, that closeness is especially true in smaller schools. Like you, you don't get that um, like close knit feeling if it's a bigger. Yeah, school, I would agree so. with that. You know, like mm -hmm. kids that graduate with three, four thousand kids in a in a grade. Um, you know, you probably have smaller groups that get close, but you don't have the overall class that gets close. So there are some some perks of teaching in smaller smaller school districts. So on the other side, what has been the most rewarding part of your career so far? Uh, the most rewarding part is. Uh, is every day. Every day in school is different, but it's seeing kids overcome obstacles, and and when that when when that aha moment happens for kids, and um, and seeing kids become successful. Um, you know, in, in the day and age that we live in, you know, there's so much instant gratitude. Like everybody um, has everything at their fingertips with their cell phones and their computers, and they can get so much information. But when when you see kids get it. And when kids are successful and that little smile on their face, that, that just sparks your day. And I would say every day is the most rewarding. Is uh, It's been really hard with distance learning. Um, I actually just counted it out today. Um, you know, it's it's been 11 days without students, that we haven't had students for 11 days. And now we got to see them again this week on, on, on Zoom. And uh, it, it's exciting, but it's still not the same as seeing them in school every single day. Mm -hmm. um, I try to stand out front of the door in the in the mornings before school and greet kids every day. I don't have a meeting. Really miss that that you know like like there's kids that come in and and not a lot of people are real happy in the mornings, you know, especially a lot of students. But uh, probably one of the most rewarding things was last year at the end of the school year, a girl came in my office the last day of school and she gave me a handwritten uh, letter. It was handwritten and it was just basically saying thank you for always greeting us and being there at the door for us and and I know that I wasn't always the most pleasant when I came through the door but it really helped me throughout the year so those are the most rewarding things when those kind of things happen to seeing kids uh, become successful knowing that you're helping them in in some way whether it be really small or whether it be really big Right, and to see that they appreciate those little things, like just saying hi in the morning. Yeah, one of the things that I've started is every year before the first day of school, I take post-it notes and I, I write a little note for every student. So like this year, I wrote down, uh, you know, you're awesome. So every student, they come to the first day of school and they get to their locker, it's got a little post-it note. Some kids put it inside their locker and they keep it there all, all year. And um, so... So next year, I'll, I'll have another little message like that, too. Every really student cool. matters. Yeah, every student matters, and those little things really matter to them, too. So that's awesome. So you're you're kind of famous. I, uh, I realized that you really got out there when uh, I saw actually a video on Reddit, of all places, and then I saw you on the news. Um, can you kind of talk about the video that went viral regarding the, glass, the colorblind glasses? Yeah, so so um, I'm colorblind, and uh, I found out I was colorblind when I was a sophomore in high school in a biology class. 
And uh, two years ago at Christmas, my sister-in-law, my wife, bought me the colorblindness classes, and I got to experience a little bit like Jonathan did that first time. Like it's it's overwhelming. It's it's emotional. It's it's overwhelming. And the thing about colorblind people is that we see color, we just don't see bright color. You know, it's it's a dull world. We we see colors, but it's just not. It doesn't pop out at you. And uh, so a student, Jonathan Jones, in our school that we knew was uh, uh, colorblind, and um, and the, the biology teacher, Mrs. Joan Foley, was in contact with the parents that he was severely colorblind, not just colorblind, but really severely. Uh, we invited the parents in, and we did the color. I always give the little. I, I teach the lesson that day on colorblindness in the Punnett squares, and it comes from your mom, you know, your mom's side. And I didn't know this, but the dad was recording it on his cell phone. So when he got those glasses and he put them on and he broke down and cried, I just went over and I hugged him and I cried too. And, you know, and I, I just said, uh, you know, I'm so happy for you. And, um, and then the dad sent that video to his brother who's in college and his brother put on social media and it just exploded. And um, that next morning I come to school, it was like nine o'clock in the morning and my, in our, our uh, school secretary, Kathy Deverell, goes, Scott, she goes, uh, WCCO's on the line. They're coming down here. I'm like, for what? And they're like, well, the video that went viral. So I really didn't know the video was going viral until that happened. It was kind of like news channels were coming and all the people were coming. And But it's just a really good message that people in the world are looking for love and kindness in those type of genuine moments that happen. In, in such a negative world that we live in. And it was a great moment for me as a teacher. Um, one of the greatest moments that I ever had, but that goes back to what my greatest achievements are as a teacher is seeing kids overcome obstacles. That's a huge obstacle, obstacle to overcome. And it was just, a, it, was a great, it was great to be a part of that. And he was able to turn that right into a fundraiser to help a lot of kids in his situation, right? Yeah, they, so his mom set up a GoFundMe page because people were asking to donate money and um and it turned into uh i think thirty thousand dollars like there's over thirty thousand dollars so they're that found now they have a foundation they partnered with another group they have a foundation to help people with colorblindness so now here's this kid who's uh you know 14 years old who's helping people of all ages with colorblindness so it's pretty cool and uh the Enchroma colorblindness class this company out of california has really stepped up as well too. Yeah, are are the glasses a newer invention? Like, have they been around for a long time? Yeah, um, one of the one of the founders of Enchroma um, was a he was a LASIK surgeon, right? Mm -hmm. So they had to wear special tinted glasses when they did LASIK surgery. Well, this doctor um, who helped found Enchroma, now his son is one that kind of helped run it. Kent. Um, so the, the dad figured out he liked wearing these glasses outside because everything looks so much brighter and more color. Well, he discovered his dad was colorblind. So kind of the formula of the glasses they use for the LASIK surgery is part of the formula for the colorblindness glasses. So I would say they've probably been around five, six, seven years, something like that. Very cool. Wow. Yeah. So um, before this, I was I was scrolling through the Lakeview Schools videos, and I I had only seen your Ice Ice Baby rap, but there's a whole boatload of them out there. <laughs> yeah, a bunch. Well, we had like uh, a ton of snow days last year. You know, 
you know, you think of doing those videos. Well, here's how it all started. So uh, a good friend of mine who was a former graduate of Bethlehem Academy, John Chappie. Um, John Chappie texted me and there was another principal or superintendent that did it out in Missouri. And he said, hey, you should do one of these videos. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do one. And, uh, and that's the ice ice baby one I did. And, and then it turned into a bunch more after that, because once you do it once, everybody tries to kind of expect it. So that was kind of, uh, my fun last year. And then, and then this year, um, I kind of backed off on it because, um, you know, you know, you had fun with it when it was at the time, but now it's time to move on to something else. Yeah. Did your students enjoy the videos? Yeah, really well they received? Really, yeah, they look forward to it. And, and by no means am I a great singer or a great entertainer, but uh, it's just one of those things that when it was a, a long winter like it was where, you know, I think for like two, three months there, we had at least one day and have school during the week for probably two months. So, so kids wanted to be back in school mm -hmm. and uh, that was just a little bit of extra motivation for them to watch those videos. And, and they were doing their, their online learning on the, in a lot of those days too. So it was just my way to kind of give back. Very cool. So you already kind of mentioned this, <laughs> that you're a really positive person. And again, as I was asking my former classmates, that's something they all talked about. And I guess, how do you stay so positive? And can you kind of talk about too, how you uh, encourage your kids to be positive every morning? Yeah. Um, so, the, well, don't, you know, the one thing about being positive is like, I have a story, Alyssa, you have a story, Emily, you have a story. Everybody in the world has a story. So when I was 12 years old, my mom was in a really bad farm accident. She almost lost her life. Um, and, but she came through it. She, she got healed up. And, um, but she never, ever played the poor me victim. She never looked at it as poor me. Why is this happening to me? She never looked at it as it was somebody else's fault. Um, it, it was one of those things that happened and that she was going to have faith and that she was going to be positive and she was going to overcome it. So as a young child, I learned about positivity. And I've just never forgot that. I've carried it with me throughout the course of my life. And we all have great moments in our lives. We all have bad moments in our lives. But you got in all the bad moments in your life, what's, what can you take that's positive to make it better? And that's how I live my life every single day. And, uh, and there's people, like even when I first came here too, you know, they're like, like, this guy can't be real. Like, how can he be so positive? How can he be this way day in and day out? And, um, and but after you get to know me after a few years, it's just who I am. That's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pretend to be someone I'm not. I'm, I'm always very positive. I'm positive when I get up in the morning. Um, my kids and I, we used to always rally clap every morning when we'd get up and uh, pillows were flying at me and everything was flying at me. But uh, my kids still remember that. And, uh, and even my, my wife still, she still gets that even to this day in, in the mornings too. She's a quiet person in the morning. So, but we have some fun with it. So, um, but that's how you gotta live your life and every day is a new day and every day is kind of like a blank sheet of paper You know, what are you gonna write on your sheet of paper for that day? And uh, when that day's over you got to start a new sheet every single day and and just be positive and You just gotta remember who you are as a person and, and know that No matter how bad things get something good's got to come out of it and remember no matter how good things are you always got to Reflect and say, you know, there's gonna be setbacks. How do you deal with them? So yeah, I just, it's who I am. I, I like being positive. And even during this COVID time period, it's been a tough, rough time period, but, uh, but I've stayed as strong and positive as I could be at our school for our staff and our community. And, uh, and I think people really understand that, 
that who I am is who I am because even in the, the you know the, you know this is a world crisis. This is something that's that's happening all over the world, and it's not a good thing. But I've remained very positive throughout this whole thing, understanding there there are some really bad things that are happening. But if you have faith and, and you stay positive, good things can come out of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that positivity is really needed, especially if you're a parent and you're going through it. And um, yeah. That's well, it's kind of like it's it's kind of like negativity is like dominoes. One person could be negative, and then wham! The, the, I mean, all yep. the dominoes. But when you're positive all the time, it's kind of like you're climbing a mountain. You know, it's kind of like you're climbing a mountain. And but if you get more people to help you climb the mountain, you'll 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 achieve it a lot faster than all alone by yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's a great analogy. Was there something you told your kids every morning before school? Yeah. Yep. So every morning before we go to school, I'd always tell them, I'd say, I love you and be good to your teachers and be good to your friends every single morning. And then after school, they'd come over to BA from the MCS and I always say, okay, what was one thing you learned today? Tell me one thing that was good about your day. So they still remember that. They still remember that. I like that. That was also a common thing that everyone remembered. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. Be, Be good to your teachers. Be good to your friends. And, um, and just think if everybody did that, just think everybody in the world was good to each other, how much a better place we would have in the world if we just let goodness and kindness shine. It'd be, it'd be a lot better place out there. Be very different than today, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just kind of to reflect on, you know, one of the questions was about, you know, staying positive in the pandemic. Um, you know, um, you know, eight days ago or 11 days ago, when the governor came out and said that we're going to go to distance learning for schools and we're going to close the schools down and there's going to be eight days of teachers preparing for distance learning. Um, we have a great superintendent at our school, Mr. Chris Fenske, Dr. Chris Fenske. And he, you know, he's our superintendent and then our elementary principal, Mrs. Courtney Free, and then myself and our, our counselors and our special education teachers and department. You know, we got together as an admin team and put a plan together for our for our uh, teachers, and um, and it was a scary time. It, it was it was a difficult thing to go through, but we kept positive through the whole thing, and we put a framework together and a plan together that we could be successful in, knowing that there's going to be bumps along the way. And one of the things that I told staff, I said, you know, I said when I went to school to become a principal, I I went through all my old textbooks when I learned to become a principal. And I could not find the chapter that says when a pandemic breaks out, <laughs> you have eight days to put a distance learning plan together. I couldn't find that chapter anywhere. I looked through all those old books. And, uh, but it was just kind of an enlightenment that, hey, we are all in this together. And it's not my idea or the superintendent's idea, but we, we collaborated with our teachers and our staff and we put together a, a great plan. And the first thing that we did is our teachers worked in departments and, um, and they we're talking about how to put a framework together for distance learning. And I visited each one of the classrooms where they were meeting. And the first thing we talked about, I just said, how are you guys doing mentally? You know, how is everybody doing with what's going on? I mean, I understand we're going to put a plan together for education, but we got to come to grips with that. This is hard. You know, and I told my staff, I said, when the students left that Tuesday, I went home after school and I stood in front of my kitchen window and looked outside and I, and I cried my eyes out. You know, and uh, you got to deal with that and, and let it out and be, be uh, true with your emotions. And then 
when when you get knocked down, you got to be resilient. You got to get back up, and and you got to be strong, and you also got to be content too. And, and being content is not being happy all the time, but it's but it's having happiness even through the the hardest of times. And that's really what my best advice to what's going on in the world is is be resilient, be content, and uh, and, and and make sure to keep your selves in positive thoughts and, and know that day by day we'll get through it. I feel like a lot of the messaging too is have grace because not everyone's perfect. Feel the feels like just got to let yourself yeah, for sure. handle yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing is, is uh, on that Tuesday, I was scared to death when the kids left and we had eight days to prepare. I was scared to death and I'm not afraid to, to say I was scared to death, but you got to come to grips with that, uh, that, that uh, you know, we can either have fear or we can have faith, and you got to put faith ahead of fear, and you got to recognize mm-hmm. it. You're totally right. Grace is a great way to look at it. Yeah, faith, not fear, is something that my mom always says. Actually, so I I live by that too. And yeah. it um, she, she I mentioned she's a teacher too, and um, she was really close to retiring, like was just about to make the decision. This is going to be her last year, but then this happened and she said, Nope, I can't leave this way. So she's going another year. That's that passion and heart though. Mm-hmm. That's that passion and heart. And I think now with the kids not being in the school and she's doing the distance learning and stuff makes it even harder for her right. thinking that this is your last year. That would, that would be a tough way to end your teaching career knowing that you really don't get to have that send off with your kids on the last day. Yep, exactly. So, so yep, she made your decision. That made it a little easier. <laughs> okay, should we do our last question? Sure. Do you want to do it? Sure. This is a question we we actually ask all of our guests, and it's kind of a fun one. If you had a reality show about your life, what would it be called, and why? You know, I thought about this all day, and the only thing I can think of is. Uh, I would have to do a show, and I'd have to name it the, the Teacher's Cultivator, okay? And it would be a show about me in the morning getting up, rally clapping, making coffee, having fun in the morning, going off to school, spending my school day. But um, kind of like when you think of, of farming, um, you have to cultivate the crops to make them strong and healthy so they can grow up and they can yield great things. That's kind of what you're doing with people is that you have to – have a positive outlook on life and you, and you have to be present for people at all times. You have to leave your, your own personal baggage at the front doors and you got to go into that school and you got to be the best person you can be for everybody that's there, whether it be the cooks, the custodians, the students, the teachers, the paraprofessionals, the office staff, you know, no matter who it is in that school, you got to be the best. You got to be present for those people. And, so I would call it the teacher's cultivator. It'd be just kind of a story of, of uh, day in and day out what it's like to be an educator, and that we're that all teachers are important in the and not just the classroom teachers, but everybody's important. Our custodians are important. Our cooks are important. Um, you know, they put five cups of love in all your food every day. It's just that you know, being in a in a school, having a positive school culture. It's not about some of us. It's about all of us. And that's the message that I would want to get out there is that to have a reality show about celebrating education and, and celebrating how, how important it is for the success of yielding good people so that they can go out and, and yield uh, good offspring and, and uh, make our country 
you know, better than it is. Yeah, I would watch. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a great show to me. <laughs> I was thinking about what would I, what would I call it? I was like, the teacher's cultivator. Like, you know, you got to cultivate your crops and you got to get all the bad weeds out of there and, and make those, do you got to do whatever you can to make those crops grow so they can yield great things, just like people. Yeah, well, I love it. Um, Thank you so much for being willing to come on Floral Couch Conversations. Yeah, I enjoyed this so much. I've been looking so forward to it. So uh, I'm excited I could do this and just want to thank you guys so much for having me on your show. And, uh, you know, it's great to see you, Alyssa. It's been a long time. Yeah. And then Emily, it was nice to meet you. Yeah, yes. nice to meet you too. Thank you so much. Yeah, we uh, we appreciate it. I know you impacted my life. You've impacted so many lives. So appreciate you uh, sharing some more wisdom with all of our listeners. Thank you. But there's not a day that goes by that I don't think I can do better. So every day I want to get better. And uh, that's how I live my life. And and we all make mistakes. We, we're, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. You learn from those mistakes and, and uh, you get better the next day. So tomorrow's yeah. a new day and some sheet of paper let's write something good on it i love it here we go <laughs> thanks everybody for listening to this episode of floral couch conversations you can find us on social media instagram facebook at floral couch conversations and if you have any questions or want to reach out to us floral couch conversations at gmail.com and if you're liking what you're hearing please tell everyone you know and leave us five stars thanks everyone bye